Hey, super friends, my name is Neil, and welcome to this episode 85 of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of film, TV, and pop culture goodness from our studio direct to your speakers. This week, I am extremely excited. Elated might even be the term I want to use here, because we are covering the February 16th, if you're in the US, and February 17th in the UK, release of Star Trek Picard Season 3. This episode, it's not just me. Boy Wonder is stopping by to give us his thoughts on the first six episodes of Season 3 of Picard, but we are also joined by three very special guests. So this week, I sat down and interviewed showrunner, executive producer, and writer Terry Metalis, and I also interviewed two of the cast of Star Trek Picard, Todd Stashwick, who plays a brand new character, Captain Liam Shaw, who is the captain on the USS Titan that you will see this season, and I interviewed the legendary Jerry Ryan, Seven of Nine, Commander Annika Hansen of the USS Titan, legend of Star Trek Voyager. So, we are throwing out the news and the recommendations this week, and we are just going to talk Star Trek Picard, Season 3, Cue some sort of Star Trek music. Let's do some housekeeping first. So Star Trek Picard will air brand new episodes in the US on Paramount Plus starting from February the 16th. That's this coming Thursday. Episodes will air in the UK on both Paramount Plus and Prime Video from Friday the 17th of February. Now, that news might be something new to you as you're listening to this, and that is an announcement that we got this week. So Paramount Plus in the UK has done a new deal with Prime Video, and that deal will allow both Picard and the upcoming fourth season of Lower Decks to stream in the UK and several European countries uh, simultaneously on both Prime and Paramount Plus. If you are a Paramount Plus subscriber and you have yet to see any of Star Trek Picard, both Season 1 and 2 will also arrive on the platform here in the UK on February the 17th. So you could binge Season 1 and 2 and then start Season 3. So, Season 3. This one, if you haven't if you've somehow managed to miss this uh, in all of the coverage that we've done and everyone is doing for Season 3, reunites the cast of Star Trek The Next Generation we will get to the how, what, where's and why's of that a little bit later on, but just to give you a cast list, to whet your appetite, obviously the series is headlined by Sir Patrick Stewart. Joining him this season are the returning Michelle Hurd as Rafi Musica and Jerry Ryan as Seven of Nine. They're joined by newcomers Todd Stashwick, who plays Liam Shaw, as I just mentioned, Captain of the Titan, and Ed Spaliers, whose character name I am not allowed to mention to you until after episode two. And uh, just to reiterate, and I will say this again later on, but this is a spoiler-free podcast on Picard as well. We're not going to be revealing anything major here. Then, also in the cast this season are Jonathan Frakes, Marina Sirtis, Brent Spiner... Michael Dorn, LeVar Burton, am I missing anyone? Uh, uh, Gates McFadden, I nearly called her Beverly Crusher. (laughs) Uh, All of the main cast of Star Trek The Next Generation are returning for season three. So it is a heavy hitting cast list. 
yes, there are some surprises. Yes, there are plenty of twists. <laughs> it is going to be a wild ride for the next 10 weeks, Super Friends. Last thing that I will say before we dive in off our, on our first interview, uh, you can read my spoiler-free first impressions of season three, uh, episode one to six. As I've said, I've not seen the last four episodes. It's up now on our website, which is www.getyourcomicon.co.uk. And if you want to watch the interviews that you get to hear in this podcast, they are both up on the website and on our YouTube. If you go to YouTube and just search Get Your Comic Con, you'll find them. I also want to hear from you with your thoughts on Star Trek Picard. So please do find me on social media. I'm at Neil Vag, and you can find us at Get Your Comic Con on all major platforms. So before Boy Wonder comes and sits down with me and we chat about our thoughts and feelings on episode one to six, let's hear from uh, my new bestie, <laughs> showrunner, executive producer and writer Terry Metallis. Terry came on board during season two of Picard and partway through production kind of splintered off to begin crafting this huge third season for which uh, he serves as showrunner. So I got to sit down with him and uh, ask a couple of questions just about how on earth he was able to pull together the amazing feat that is season three. And I also wanted to touch on some of the musical themes of this season because as you will get to hear when the show releases... Stephen Barton's score in season three is absolutely beautiful. So, without further ado, over to my Twitter buddy and I, uh, Terry Metallis. Hi, Terry. How Hi, are you Neil. Doing? Twitter friend. Twitter friend, yes. How are you? I am very well, thank you very much. How are you doing? How does it feel I'm... to be out here talking about it uh, now? Finally, finally. I finished this thing in the summer, so it's it's amazing to finally, for people to be seeing it. And, I mean... Critics are starting to get their reactions out now. It's all feeling very exciting. It's all feeling very positive. I hope so. I hope so. I don't know yet. Uh, <laughs> Friday's the embargo lift, so we'll see. Take me back to the beginning. What sparks the idea to go so big with season three? Well, uh, excellent question. Uh, the The third season was left to me, and they said, what do you want to do? <laughs> and... Uh, why not go big? Why not do everything I've ever wanted to do with Star Trek? Uh, so I did. <laughs> uh, I wanted to bring back the, uh, the next generation crew. I, I, I wanted to. I thought they deserved the send off that the original series uh, uh, characters got in Undiscovered Country, and um, this could be that chance to do that. Um, at the same time, explore what it means for the last generation to meet the next. Um, and where they are now and 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 to tell that final story in, in a really emotional way it felt like such a rich opportunity for for great drama and a, a really great final story um so i just went hard at it and tried my best and uh here we are you really you really did and i mean so i i like many people and i'm sure you will hear this many times today i grew up on the next generation this is my my I, track I, mine as well and there's just there's something so exciting about seeing them all together. But that aside, I mean, it feels so much more rewarding that it's earned in the story as well. We're not just literally plunking these people in. How I don't even know the words to ask the question. How on earth in the writer's room did you all piece that together in such a way that it, it just works so well? The 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 main arc of the story was an idea I had in my head for a, for a while. Um, for it was almost as if I could, if the 
a graphic novel or a Star Trek movie in my head that if you had one chance to do. But then given the opportunity to have 10 episodes of Draw It Out is so much better because then every character can truly get their due. Um, and there are opportunities to explore things that you would never be able to in just uh, a, a smaller window of a of, of thing. But it was quite an intense uh, writer's room. In fact, we had uh, less time than than normal. So, wow. um, um, but I brought in um, some wonderful colleagues of mine that I worked on with my last show, 12 Monkeys, um, who we have quite a bit of a shorthand with and some um, some brilliant new writers as, as well. And I was very lucky we we uh, we were able to uh, craft uh, this to an inch of its life uh, and uh, and work closely with these actors um, so that it felt authentic. I didn't want these these actors to feel like they weren't doing anything that their characters wouldn't do. They know their characters better than yeah. we. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So um so that was that was the thing but there was a beginning and a middle and an end that was very clear to me from the beginning. And having so I've seen six episodes so far. I don't know how it ends yet. I'm on the edge of my seat. But I can't talk to you about it without touching on bringing in Stephen Barton because from the outset there is so much score in this season. Yes. yes More so yes. I think than either of the previous seasons. Yes. We've got classic themes, first contact theme. Thank you so much for bringing it. You're that welcome. Back. I like the um, way you're the thing. I love this question. Thank you. It, I'm I thanking mean, you. Yeah, when I'm thanking you, I mean, we could, I could just applaud for the rest of this interview. Uh, um, I'm going to guess, I know what the answer to this already, but was that something you wanted to do with this yes. season? Really? So, that music uh, and that soundscape. So early on, right away, uh, I was talking about the score even before we, I typed fade in a, on a script. <laughs> Steven uh, is one, a longtime collaborator I worked with on 12 Monkeys. And I brought him in and I said, Let's ask ourselves, what would Jerry Goldsmith do? What would James Horner do? Uh, what would Cliff Eidelman do? What would Dennis McCarthy do? What would uh, uh, any of these incredible cinematic composers of Star Trek do? Let's feel like we're back in that universe again. Let's do it appropriate. Let's not hammer it over the head. But yeah. at the same time, he wrote this incredible theme for the Titan, which plays yeah. throughout the season, which has its own beautiful melody, this incredible family theme that he, that that he at the end of episode four plays um, prominently, uh, and it, it was a lot of a lot of work. I literally got hit, parked his office right next to mine <laughs> so that I could walk out of editing sessions, come listen to the music, come back and forth. It's not traditional. It's very difficult to do, and it was a lot of strain on 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 poor Stephen. And we brought in another composer, Frederick uh, Weedman, uh, to help out in the back with him. Uh, to cook, but uh, music's really important to me in that process. So hearing you say that is really gratifying because I think it's it's part of Star Trek. Star it Trek is. is a space opera. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I could talk to you until the end of the day about this. I could probably well, talk. To you you can day. find me on Twitter. Just drop into my DMs. I'll tell we you. We will absolutely. There are things <laughs> I can't wait to pick up with you about this season when we're able to. Okay. Uh, best of luck with the season being out. Thank there. you. I'm really glad you're enjoying it, man. Enjoy the premiere tomorrow. I wish I was not in London right now and I could be there with you, but uh -huh. best thanks very much. A massive thank you again to Terry for sitting down to chat with me, uh, even just for five minutes. It was awesome to get to, to speak to him and pick his brains about season three. I am now joined by my very own boy, Wonder Martin. Say hello, Martin. 
Hello, Martin. And we are going to chat through our very much spoiler-free thoughts on episode one to six of Picard season three. Just to clarify what we are and aren't allowed to say, at this particular moment in time, we can give our first impressions of the six episodes that we have seen. We can't give specific episodic reviews until the day they release in the US, uh, which is obviously the day before they release in the UK, and we can't mention the name of Ed Spalier's character until after episode two is available in the US. So we can only really give you our kind of overview of what we think of the six episodes of season three that we have seen. So without further ado, my first question to you, Boy Wonder, how do you feel about season three of Star Trek Picard? Very positive. We've had a lot of positive things to say about both season one and two up to this point. I think there's been things to enjoy in both. How does this stack up against the previous two seasons for you? Um, Much better. Mm, Okay. I uh, really enjoyed season one. I liked the idea of Picard as a character portrait of this man kind of 15, 20 years after we last saw him. I think season two started out incredibly well and we all really enjoyed that first little bit on the Stargazer set in the present day. And then I enjoyed the idea of going back to the past, but I felt like maybe it was a shorter arc than 10 episodes. I think this season is brilliant. Like, absolutely brilliant. I don't want to pit Star Trek shows against each other, particularly in modern Trek, because there is so much of a silly kind of commentary around quote-unquote woke Trek and the state of Star Trek in this present day that I'm not going to get involved with, other than to say that it's utter nonsense. But in terms of sort of, and we've, we have talked about this before when we've talked about sort of Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds, how does this season for you stand up against some of the other more recent Star Treks? Is this like now the new pinnacle of modern Star Trek? Um, oh, I never really thought about comparing them because they're so different. Yeah. I'll, I'll take each of them on their own merits. Very good. Um, I think this is probably one of my favourite seasons of Star Trek ever based on what I've seen so far. I think it's probably... It's so subjective depending on your background, because as I said to Terry in that interview, I grew up on The Next Generation, which, you know, you kind of grew up more on Voyager. So you've got Seven of Nine to love in this season. I have everyone. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, what has has been your favourite... What are you enjoying the most about what we've seen so far from these six episodes? I'm trying to think carefully about not getting you to say a spoiler. Uh, Oh... Suppose it doesn't. It just keeps everything moving very not quickly, but yep. it's very action packed. It's almost like they've taken all the best bits of the films and made it into a TV series. I agree with you. I very, very much agree with you. It does have a lot of the sensibilities of some of the bigger, more action adventure Star Trek movies about it, but somehow is making it work across ten hours. I said in my first impressions that I feel like it sort of. And I don't mean this in a bad way, I mean this in a good way. It sort of drips information to you, it drip feeds you information. So uh, if we talk about episode one, which we're very nearly allowed to talk about, that's very much Beverly Crusher. And starts with her, is all about getting to her, and she's sort of the central point. And then it ends with a moment that then becomes the focal point of episode two, 
which I feel like that ends with a moment which is a focal point for what is in the, the middle of episode three. So I do think it's structured very, very well. And you're right in saying that there's a lot of action, I think, this season. Uh, we can talk about some specific things, like the villain, uh, or that sort of, as we believe it to be, the de facto villain at the moment, Vadik, played by Amanda Plummer. What do you think about her? I mean, yeah, she's a good villain. Very maniacal. Yeah, so she's quite melodramatic. Is it sort of... So you wouldn't say it's sort of too much? Because she... This is going to sound like I'm saying something bad about her performance, but I'm not. She is sort of ever so slightly loving it, chewing the scenery, but in a way that works perfectly for me within the story. Very Khan-esque. Mm, she is very Khan-esque in a way, isn't she? Uh, there's also something slightly Heath Ledger's Joker about her. And I mean that in that old description that Christopher Nolan said about how he wanted the Joker to just be like a a representation of anarchy. So he would sort of disappear for bits of the film and reappear just to cause trouble. I feel like she's very much like that. She's not always on screen or always there, but is always somehow dipping in and causing major trouble. Her presence is always felt. Yeah. How do you feel about how... And again, this is where I want to be careful about spoilers. How do you feel about how they've brought in the the new old legacy characters? I think they've done it well. It's not... They're just there for the sake of being there. They've all got yeah. a bit of a purpose. And it fits yeah. the story at the time. And I think we're allowed to say that where we are up to, we have seen everyone. And we've seen them in different degrees. Some of them we've seen more of. Some of them we've seen little of. Some of them we've barely only just seen. Uh, so it's probably difficult to say whether anyone's been done a disservice or not, because there's still four more episodes, and you never know. They might all band together and go out on some absolutely amazing all-out battle in the end. But in what we've seen so far, I feel like it's been... Because of how organic it is to the story, I don't feel like anyone has been done a disservice. I feel like everyone is there for a specific reason. They have their own reason. That might be tied to the main plot, the subplot, sort of all sort of coming together in a way uh but i don't feel like anyone is just sort of sitting in a corner going hello please give me something to do Mm, i'd agree and your favorite that you have seen so far this season character yeah Uh, oh i don't have i've not got a favorite of the returners all of them Hmm, okay um now I feel like I can't really say whether I have a favourite or not. Well, I don't like to choose. I mean, they're all very good in their own right. They are all very good in their own right. Um, it would, It's hard not to give Jonathan Frakes as a standout because Riker is the person that you will see the most. And I, I can say that you will see Riker in essentially every single episode that we have seen. So he is almost shouldering the show as much as Patrick Stewart. So it was... I mean, Riker was always a favourite of mine as a kid anyway. So it's it's wonderful to see more of him. And I, uh, he directs episode, I want to say three and four, which are two of the very action-heavy type episodes, um, which he's great at. We know from First Contact, he was great at that, and from Insurrection as well. But I also think there are some unexpected elements to how you will see various people return, not just him. There are some definite twists to each of these people where we find them 20 years later which i think are really interesting would you agree i would agree 
And that's something that Terry talked about in that interview. He said, you know, these people know their characters better than anyone else. So as much as he had ideas about where they might be 20 years later, they have ideas about where they might be 20 years later. Uh, any of them, again, you don't have to say anything specific that you've seen, but anything that surprised you about how they folded anyone back in? No. Okay. I don't think so. That's fine. You don't have to have an answer. I don't know. <laughs> you don't want for me. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to. I'm trying to understand if you, you know, if you feel like where some of these people are now, twenty years later, still feels natural, or if any of it stands out as being particularly, I don't know, maybe obvious to trying to drive a plot forwards. No, I mean it's hard because I mean twenty years is a long time. People do different things. You don't have to do the same thing forever. They've all done different things. But th- that's it. So that's fine. That's exactly what I wanted. You know, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. Uh, anything about this, these six episodes that you've seen so far that you have not been so keen on? No, I don't think so. Hmm. No, me, no, me neither. Uh, very solid episode. This is well. I mean, I, so if you read my first impressions piece, I, I, I very rarely give a score when I do a first impressions because I so I often don't think it's necessarily fair to score something when you've not seen the whole thing. Like you wouldn't give a score to half a movie. Uh, and I, so when we re- reviewed uh, like Titans and Doom Patrol with those half season batches, I didn't give them scores, but I couldn't help it with this. I've given it five stars because I can't fault anything about it. I just think it's brilliant. So we talk about new characters for a minute. <gasps> Remember, you can't say... Ed Spillier's character's name. We've really only spent a huge amount of time with Liam Shaw, Todd Stashwick's character, and Ed Spillier's character. Uh, we spent a little bit of time with Sidney LaForge as well, who is the ensign on the Titan. Have you? How do you feel about the new people that we're seeing this season? We've got very interesting backstories. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a look on your face that says, I don't want to say anything more. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> well, I'll just say it and then you'll tell me off. So I'll just say they've got very interesting backstories. Okay. That weaves into the overall mm. arch very nicely. Yeah. No, I agree. I think Todd Stashwick is great. I think he is a wonderful foil for Jerry Ryan. Uh, and we'll we'll get to the two of them in just a second. But I think they work really well together as the captain and first officer of the Titan. I think Ed Spillier fits in really, really well with the cast as well and has a lot to do both with characters new and old. And I really like... In fact, I, one thing that I would like to say is I really like the whole of the bridge crew on the Titan. I feel like, bearing in mind, you've already got... You know, you've got Patrick Stewart, who is the lead. You've already got Jerry Ryan, who's been in the previous two seasons of Picard. And then you stack on the entire rest of the Next Generation cast who are dipping in and out of this storyline. So the fact that they've gone to the degree of giving everyone a name and a job and actual dialogue and things to do in terms of that uh, Titan bridge crew, I think is really nice. I think it's very well balanced between old cast and new cast. If they are the next, next generation, you know, if after this there's a sudden announcement that actually, bearing in mind we don't know if everyone survives or dies this season, we don't know any of that because we've not seen how the season ends, but if they were to suddenly say Terry Metalis is returning to Star Trek for Star Trek, I mean, they've kind of de facto sort of 
fans are mooting it as Star Trek Legacy because it has so many plot points from Next Generation, Voyager, and DX9. But if it was like Star Trek Legacy or Star Trek Titan with Todd Stashwick and Jerry Ryan as their captain and first officer of the Titan featuring this bridge crew, I would absolutely be in for that. Hmm. I would watch that. <laughs> I like how I said that in so many words and you went, hmm. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> do, uh, do you have a favourite of the bridge crew? Levin, maybe? I thought you might have gone for the lady from Doom Patrol from the Underground. The, oh, the yeah. Vulcan. Yeah. Here, I always forget the name of that character. She's the angry one inside yeah, Jane's head. Yeah. yeah. What's she called? It's the one that spits the words, isn't it? No. Is it not? No. Oh, okay. Very wrong. But uh, a wonderful actor, no less. <laughs> Move on. Now seems as good a time as any to go back to the Star Trek Picard junket for the second of my interviews. So, uh, actually, before I spoke to Terry Metalis, I had just sat down to speak with both Jerry Ryan, Seven of Nine, and Todd Stashwick, who plays Captain Liam Shaw, for a uh, lightning round of questions about how they feel about season three and how their characters are introduced. So, let's listen to what they had to say. Hi, Jerry. Hi, Todd. How are you doing? Hi, great. How are you? How are you? Yeah, I am good. Thank you. Jerry, coming to you first. This Star Trek Picard feels like it's been such a wonderful gift and sort of victory lap for Seven. You know, having come on board in season one for a handful of episodes, and now here we are talking about season three. How how does it feel to have had this kind of second go at playing this character that people love so much? It's been amazing. I I it came as such a surprise because I certainly never expected that I'd be revisiting this character. I thought I'd said goodbye to her a long time ago. Um, but it has been such a delightful treat to revisit her and to see how she's grown and how she's developed. And especially over the course of these three seasons, mm. um, I love, I love where she is. I love her journey, her struggles, her strength. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a pretty, a pretty exciting um journey for her this season yeah so when we catch up with her she's commander on the on the titan it seems maybe at first glance she's that second, she's second in command <laughs> she's second in command second in command yes second in command. but who's counting really I mean, who's counting? It's rank. It's just military rank but don't worry about that and she, you know, you feel for a moment when you you know when those doors open that maybe she's found her place in Starfleet and this is this is her finding her place but maybe that's not quite what it seems I mean can you tell us just a little bit about her journey this season I don't want to give too much away but that is very much what her struggle is over the course of the season she's trying to figure out if if this really is where she belongs and if she really can fit in here um because she has been you know a complete maverick for so long um and butting heads with with this one (laughs) Yeah. She's, you know, working as you yeah. guys will discover. It's a she's working relationship. Working with a captain who is, who is less than um No, he's amazing. He's incredible. He's incredible. He's incredible. <laughs> Not the nicest guy when you meet him, but good great captain. He's misunderstood. <laughs> but it's uh so that is very much her struggle throughout the season. And also balancing her loyalties you know your loyalty to starfleet and your captain and your crew and then your friends who come and ask you for help and um we'll see where she ends up but i think we leave her in a really fantastic place so it's a it's an exciting season and she obviously has this brand new captain in uh, in liam shaw to contend with todd what can you tell us about 
sure when we first meet him. So Shaw, uh, he's, got he's cuddly. Cu- he's, he's a big very warm teddy bear. Teddy bear. <laughs> he's dealing with some complex trauma. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, you'll learn things about him, and you'll understand how and why he does what he does. His his primary goal is to keep everybody alive in you know in the uh, final frontier. Uh, that is paramount to him is the safety of his crew and the safety of his ship and and he uses the protocols of starfleet to do that and so when certain people come along and uh, challenge those (laughs) protocols uh he has words to say and many of them i can't wait for you guys to meet i can't wait for you to meet this character he's He's so fun oh my god he's so good in this god is so good in this Absolutely. And there are some glimpses, I think, of of that character in the trailer, and particularly his maybe, shall we say, lack of reverence for some of the, the legends. No, maybe something this. to give for these <laughs> legends. That was actually so the fun part. Oh, and, and it makes the, it made, you know, jumping into the project with these people, uh, these people that carry so much history of of star trek with them the fact that he pokes him in the eye right up the onset made it easy to jump in and find my place in the story yeah that was actually the first scene we shot yeah it was the dinner scene together yeah well that's uh it for my time i'm being warped out of the room so uh, thank you so much so much best of luck with the show thank you take care Yes, pinch me, that was me speaking to the Seven of Nine. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. You were listening outside the door. I was, I thought, I can hear it, but it doesn't seem real. uh, Honestly, it was completely surreal being on camera and talking to her. Presumably there was just some sort of monitor in front of her with my little face on it, being like, hello! (laughs) I don't really know how it works at their end. What are your feelings on her arc this season? Again, don't want to say too much because don't want to get into spoiler territory, but I think it's actually very interesting because I feel like, and as she mentions there, it's sort of about searching for her place again because she had her place on Voyager. seems like she'd sort of found a place with Picard and Raffi and now she's finding her place again with this crew on the Titan. How do you, how do you feel about her this season, particularly as somebody that is a massive fan of the character? Hmm. It's just, again, it's that, that journey of finding where she fits into this world that yeah. she knows, but is in, a, in it in a different way. Yes, totally agree. I think it's a it's a really lovely arc for her. And I really do hope that she gets out of this season both alive and comfortable with where she is on the Titan and that we see more of that in the future. Before kind of wrap this bit up, because the more we talk about it, the more I'm going to worry that we're going to get in spoiler territory. There is quite an exciting subplot for Raffi this season. She's sort of a little bit separate to everyone to begin with. But I feel like it suits her character really well and plays into, let's say, both her strengths and her weaknesses. I do wonder, though, whether some will feel that she's a bit too disconnected for a while. How do you feel about... Have you enjoyed that subplot, both as as its own story, but as it plays into the wider arc? And what what are your thoughts? I could have done without some of it. Okay. Yeah, just a bit too long. Okay. A bit too disconnected and a bit like, oh, we've we've seen this before now. So you feel like it takes a little bit too long for her to sort of 
loop back around to everyone. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but then, in terms of what's actually going on with her, do you think it's it's what's the word I'm looking for? Um, do you think it's organic to the character? Do you think in isolation it's still good to watch? Maybe. I get it's just a bit too long. Okay. There's so much other stuff going on. It's kind of hard to give them enough time each, I suppose. Yeah, it is. No, that's... I mean, you're absolutely valid. If that's what you feel, that's what you feel. I'm not suggesting you are wrong. Um, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. No, no, no. I I know what you mean, because there is... She's in a very specific position in episode one, and that plays into things that we know of her character, and it is very much it. Right, we've done part one, let's do part two, let's do part three, then let's get to part four. And it it does feel a little bit at times like maybe she is being kept to the side sort of on purpose like maybe we'll need her a bit later on but I find some of what she does is quite rewarding and you will want to watch her scenes very closely because boy are there a lot of easter eggs in scenes that she is in uh, particularly in episodes one and uh, well in fact one and two there are quite a few easter eggs in the scenes that she's in so uh, music is the other thing that I really want to talk about which is why I made a point of talking to Terry about it but this season he's brought in Stephen Barton, who is a composer he worked with on his show 12 Monkeys, uh, to sort of, and this is not to negate anything that Jeff Russo did in previous seasons, but to beef up the soundtrack a bit, because as he said, and I totally agree with him, I feel like Star Trek is very, very synonymous with its soundtrack, and we're not just talking about sort of theme tunes, I feel like score in Star Trek is a big deal, but I think if you listen to season one and two soundtracks for Picard, it's not, it's not not a big deal, but it's not as iconic as a lot of Star Trek soundtracks are. So I feel like this season, again, I don't want to use the word improvement, but because I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong, because I love the music in season one and two, but I love the music in season three. It's a glow up. It's a glow up. Very good. But for me... Is that the word? Is that what the kids say? It is what the kids say. I feel like you pick up on that from the absolute beginning of episode one. Like straight away, it's like, Here's a song. There's score. There's so much score. Do you, what? What are your thoughts? I agree. The music was good. <laughs> Any particular? So there are some new themes. The Titan has a wonderful theme. There is, as Terry said, a family theme, which will come through this season. And then there are some classic themes that will be heard across the season. Any favourite pieces you've heard so far? I would say it's just a very lovely way of storytelling through the medium of music. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about it because I mentioned it to Terry. So yeah, this, the first contact theme tune, which is one of my all-time favourite pieces of Star Trek music, is quite prominent this season, and I love being able to hear that again. Very much looking forward to the soundtrack being released, hopefully, probably around the end of the season. I don't think there's a date for it yet. I think that's probably all we're allowed to say before we start getting into trouble and saying too much. Uh, as I've said a couple of times in this podcast, you can read my first impressions over on our website, five stars from me, and I do have reviews for episodes one and two already in the bag that will release with the episodes, and I've also got a write-up on Easter eggs in each of the episodes that will go with each episode as well. So plenty more Star Trek Picard to come from me on that one. Final thoughts from you, Boy Wonder, on how you feel about season three feel very positive about it and excited to see the end yeah we've got so 
this is not a brag about the fact that we had early screeners for it. It's always wonderful when we get to see something early, and I'm always very grateful for it. In this instance, we saw the six episodes a couple of weeks ago <laughs> as I'm recording this, and it was a, a eight week. It is an eight week wait for us between when we finished the sixth episode and when episode seven will actually be on tv so it's a long long wait to get to the the final four episodes of the season so it's been a long time it's first world problems but please feel for us uh i will say it one more time star trek picard premieres on february the 16th on paramount plus in the u.s and on february the 17th on prime video and paramount plus here in the uk you can stream seasons one and two on prime video in the uk now they will come to Paramount Plus on February the 17th, the same day as episode one. New episodes stream weekly on Thursdays in America and Fridays here in the UK. I really don't think there's anything else, but I feel like I'm missing something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so until next time, stay safe, stay well. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Boy Wonder, for coming back after five episodes of not being here. Uh, and we'll see you very soon. Bye. Bye.